Welcome to episode 174 of the Women on the Military podcast. My guest this week is Adrienne Richardson. Adrian was headstrong and looking for independence. She decided to join the Air Force as a way to support herself, but as someone who doesn't like to follow the rules, she found the breakdown process during boot camp very difficult. While at boot camp, she quickly volunteered to be the dorm monitor and was subsequently fired quickly after. And she said by the time boot camp was over, she was the qualified latrine queen and every gift that had been given to trainees throughout the training had been taken away from her. Once boot camp was over and she was able to begin her training as a paramedic, things started to look up and she really enjoyed her job and she left the military to become a doctor and we talked about what happened after she left the military and how she ended up becoming an entrepreneur. Before we get started, let's learn more about this week's sponsor, Sabio Coding Bootcamp. Women of the Military Podcast would like to thank Sabio Coding Bootcamp for sponsoring this week's episode. Sabio Coding Bootcamp is a top-ranked coding bootcamp that is 100% dedicated to helping smart and highly motivated individuals become exceptional software engineers. Visit their website at www.sabio.la to learn how you may be able to use your GI Bill of Benefits to train at Sabio. Your tuition and monthly BAH stipend may be paid during your training period. They are also 100% committed in helping you find your first job in tech. So don't forget to head over to www.sabio.la to learn more. And one last thing before we get started, for the month of March, I've decided to run a giveaway and I'm giving away three copies of my book, Women of the Military. If you would like a signed copy of Women of the Military, all you have to do is either share the podcast on social media and make sure to tag me or you can leave a review on your favorite podcast app and make sure you send it to me either on social media or to my email at airman to mom at gmail.com. So if you would like to win a copy of Women of the Military, make sure to share the podcast or leave us a review. And now let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome to the show, Adrian. I'm so excited to have you here. Hey, Amanda. Thank you for having me on. Let's start with why did you decide to join the military? I joined the military I come from a family of military. So my mom served in the military. My stepfather served in the military. And the truth is, is I chose the military because I saw it as the easiest way for me to go out on my own at a very young age. I've always been extremely independent. I think when I was like 12 or 13, I told my mom, like, I got this. Like, I don't need a parent anymore. (laughs) And so um, I actually graduated high school early. I only went for three years. So I joined the military when I was 17 years old. And and like I said, I really just did it because I thought it was my ticket to independence, which my mom thought was really funny. But that was a big reason why I joined at that time. Yeah. And in your bio, I saw that your mom served for 30 years in the military, in the Air Force, right? Yes. She went in the military when I was one. And that was back when they allowed single parents to join the military. And so I was one years old. My mom joined and she was an F-16 engine mechanic for many, many years until she said, I'm too old to turn a wrench. And uh, she switched to education and training and retired as a chief master sergeant in the Air Force. And do you think that had an impact on why you decided to join the military and like saw the military as an opportunity for freedom or was there something else? 
Yeah, I think I definitely, I don't know that if I hadn't been raised in a home around military, that that would have been the first thing that came to mind, right? But I knew that, you know, it would be a steady job, a steady paycheck, they'd provide housing, all of those things. And I just looked at it and I had never um, really even considered college. It wasn't like a, a conversation that was happening in my household at, when I was growing up. And so I was like, well, how am I going to ever be able to take care of myself? <laughs> you know, like, how am I ever going to pay for my own place? And the military to me was that opportunity for me to be able to start my adult life and do it in a way that felt stable and secure. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, you seem like a go-getter graduating high school early. And I was like, why wasn't college the next step? And so that you answered that question without me asking it. So you were 17 and you were headstrong, ready to go into the military. And what was that experience like at basic training? Yeah, I have a really funny story that I'll try to keep as short as possible. But when I left to go into the military, 17 years old, you know, I have always, like I said, I, I'm independent, want to do what I want to do, don't really like rules. And so I arrived at basic training. And I think on our first or second day, they asked like, who here, and I'll spare the language that they use, but like who here can be in charge and not care what anybody else thinks about you. And I was 17 years old. I was, of course, the youngest out of 40 women that were there. And I raised my hand. And so they said, well, you're the dorm chief, you're in charge when the drill sergeants leave for the day. And I'll give you the very quick succession of going from dorm chief to the first time we had to run our two miles. It took me 30 minutes. And so I got fired as the dorm chief and became an element leader. And then when we were getting inspections and someone had knocked my bed out of alignment and I got really upset with them <laughs> uh, and blamed it on them, I got fired from that. And I slowly like got fired from every job that I had in basic training to I graduated basic training as the latrine queen that was in charge of cleaning the toilets. Just because of my inability to be willing to number one, take responsibility. Number two, do what I was told. I also had every patio break taken from me for the entire time of basic training and every phone call. So I never got to call home. I never got to eat any candy. <laughs> like, I literally had everything stripped of me because I just would not fall in line. And as you know, when you're in the military, that's extremely important for you to be able to take commands and do what you're told, You know, especially if you're in a wartime situation or something like that. So Basic training was very difficult for me, not because of the physical part of it, because of the mental part of it, of being willing to not have my own way all the time. Yeah, I think the hardest part for me for boot camp was the mental aspect. And for me, it was more that I didn't have the self-confidence that I needed. And in a way that was kind of made the whole situation even worse because I tried to hide from responsibility. But I like how your experience was like, yes, I'll do it. And then they were like, no, you're going to just keep getting knocked down and getting knocked down. Yep. I remember one time everybody was supposed to be like cleaning their lockers and all of that good stuff. And I was writing letters to my boyfriend. And, um, you know, so I think that was when I was like the element leader or something. And they, they fired me because they were like, what kind of example are you being as a leader when everybody else is working and you're just chilling? Like, <laughs> so didn't go over very well. That's funny that your mom's like, okay, join the military for your freedom. Good luck with that. Yeah. You don't like rules. You want to be free. Yeah. Go join the military. Yep. Man, joke's on you. <laughs> so what career field did you end up doing? And did things get better after basic training? Or did you still have a lot to learn? 
Yeah. So I uh, was a paramedic and I honestly, when I went into the military, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, they have you take the ASVAB and all of that. And my choices, they were like, you should either be a spy or a paramedic. And I was like, spy sounds really cool. And they were like, you'll never be able to tell anybody where you're at or tell anything. And you won't be able to be close to friends or family. And I was like, that doesn't sound fun. Um, So I went into the medical field, became a paramedic. And I graduated, I think I had maybe the second highest grade, whatever grade in graduation from um, my tech school, which was in um, Northern Texas. That was really the first time I saw that I was capable. Like I didn't really enjoy high school. Like I just did the bare minimum to get by. And so going through tech school and graduating second in the class, I think was a real confidence booster for me. And I loved being a paramedic. And so although basic training was hard, once I got into the training aspect of my career and actually getting to do it, I really, really loved it. That's awesome. And because you were one of the top two who graduated, did you get to pick your assignments first or... So back then, no, (laughs) a lot has changed. I have been out of the military now for, oh my gosh, 23 years ago, I got out of the military, somewhere around there. So no, you did not get first choice, but you were allowed to trade with someone as long as they had like the same, I think it was called an AFSC. Yeah. As long as they had the same AFSC as you, um, and we're going to be the same rank as you, you could trade orders. And so I originally had orders to go to Georgia to the Air Force Base in the, down there. And because my, at the time, boyfriend lived in Ohio, I was like, oh, well, I want to go back to Ohio, which was a really dumb thing to do because like three weeks after I got there, we broke up. <laughs> so I originally, uh, I got stationed at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base um, out of tech school in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, that was my first assignment. And you said back to Ohio. So were you in Ohio before? Yes. You know, being military brat, we had moved around. And that was one of the reasons I got to graduate high school a year early was because my I, we were stationed in Florida. And then in my junior year of high school, my stepfather retired and moved us to Ohio where he was from. And when I got there, they were like, well, you have all the credits you need, except for you just need nine more credits. So they're like, your senior year is only going to be two classes. And I was like, uh, no. So I took those two classes as night school. So I did seven classes during the day at high school and went to night school every day for two classes. And I was able to graduate an entire year early. And so, yeah, we were in Ohio at the time because my stepfather had just retired. So what was it like to go from tech school and like doing the training? And you said you love being a paramedic. Did that continue on once you went on active duty? And what was, do you have any like interesting stories from your first assignment? (laughs) So I was stationed, uh, like I said, at Wright Pat. And my goal, so when you're uh, in the the paramedic AFSC, you can work almost anywhere in the hospital. You're not necessarily always assigned to the emergency room. But that was like my dream, right, was to get assigned to the emergency room because that's where all the action was and the fun was in my eyes. Again, at that time, I was very young. But however, when you are in your like on the job training, you rotate through different departments in the hospital. And I I was never, um, again, I was young. So I wasn't into like babies, right? Like, Ooh, I want to hang out with babies. But one of my assignments was in the NICU and I had to take care of, you know, very premature babies. And I loved it so much. Like it was just such an amazing experience. And so I requested to work in that department once I finished like my on the job training. So I got to work in the NICU for a while. Then I transferred to the internal medicine clinic. So I went to the opposite. I was taking care of the elderly. I enjoyed that because when I was in the NICU, I was on 12-hour shifts. And then when I moved to internal medicine clinic, I got to be on like a regular day shift where you had your weekends off and your evenings off. 
But my goal had was always to get into the emergency room. And so finally, my I was at Wright Pat for five years. And it took me about three years before I was able to get because they don't just put anybody in the emergency room, you really have to be experienced. And so then I got to move to the emergency room about three years in. And I love that. That was just, you know, and yes, I could probably sit here all day long and share stories, you know, from delivering babies to dealing with, you know, dealing with also very, very hard things and, you know, trauma and different things like that. So, and then when I left Wright Pat, I went to Eglin Air Force Base in Florida and worked in the emergency room there. And that was also amazing. I loved it. It's kind of funny because my first son was born at the hospital at Wright Pat, and I have been at bases with clinics for so long that I kind of forgot about the hospital aspect. And there's so much going on at that hospital, and that base is huge. So it just sounds like such an interesting experience to be able to like work in a hospital and then work in different sectors of the hospital to learn all about the different things. So that sounds like such an interesting experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd say that the excite there was more activity and excitement that happened at Eglin Air Force Base because we were right by Hurlburt, which had like the paratrooper training and stuff like that. And so we'd get injuries from guys that had jumped out of planes and their parachutes hadn't deployed properly or they didn't land properly. And lots of boating accidents and, you know, things like that. So we dealt with a lot more serious type of things at Eglin than I saw at Wright Pat. But yeah, I mean, still very, both of them were very, very active bases. Yeah, right. Pat is a huge community of retirees. And so it's a totally different type of medicine and care because, yeah, there's so many people who are not in uniform at Right Pat that you're just like a little overwhelming. So, yeah, that sounds really interesting to have like two such different experiences and something that shows like how great the military can be because it gives you such a diverse experience. Unlike if you're a civilian working at a hospital, I don't know if it's harder or easier to stay in one place, but usually don't move from different hospitals in different cities. Yeah, I'd agree. It's like where whatever hospital is closest to you where you live, and that's pretty much, you know, your own option, or maybe you might have one or two others. But it's still, like you said, it's still the same environment, right? It's still the same city. It's still all the same kind of thing. So it was really neat to be able to experience those two differences. Is there anything else from your time in the military? I know you got out at seven years. So I'm, I'm guessing you stayed at Florida and that's where you left. Yes. So I would say that, you know, while I was in the military, I, I absolutely loved my job. I didn't, I wasn't in love with the military itself just because I don't like rules. <laughs> But my, I loved my job so much and I love the people that I worked with that, you know, no job is perfect, right? You're going to have some things you love and some things you don't. But a big reason for me leaving the military was because I did have other things I wanted to pursue, which I started going to college while I was in the military. I had an amazing supervisor when I worked in the NICU that said, listen, you're not going to be in the military forever. I don't care if you just take one class a semester, you need to start doing something to work towards getting a degree. And again, I had never even considered college in my life. And so I was so thankful for him um, that he planted that seed in my mind. And so I got to the point in the military where when I worked in the emergency room and at Eglin, I would work from seven at night to seven in the morning. And then I would go to class, I would take college classes, and then I'd go home and sleep for a couple hours and then do it all over again. And I did that for the whole two years that I was at Eglin. And I just got to the point where I was like, I'm never ever going to finish my degree. And I wanted to be a doctor. And I was like, I'm never going to finish my degree. I'm never going to get to go to medical school if I don't get out of the military. And so for me, the reason that I left was because I actually felt like it was starting to limit me in what I wanted to do. 
I served for seven years. I re-enlisted at my three-year mark. So I did seven years and um, got out when I was, what did that make me, 20, 24? To be a doctor takes so much college and if that's even taking a full load. So being able to take one or two classes and it sounds like you guys were working a lot of hours and really busy. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, at the time I was single, I didn't have kids. And so, you know, if there was any holiday, you know, because in the emergency room, you're open 24 hours a day, so, you know, 365, there's no closing it. And so, you know, I would work holidays, I would volunteer to work those kinds of things so that people who had families didn't have to work on Christmas and stuff. And, and I didn't mind doing it at that time. Like I said, I loved my job and I was single, it didn't matter. But it, it was a lot of hours and it was very demanding. Yeah. And so when you left the military, did you use your GI Bill? It would have been the Montgomery GI Bill. Yes. So, um, I, you know, while I was active duty, any classes that I took, the military paid for those. I just had to pay for like my own books and stuff. And then when I got out, I used my GI Bill to pay for my tuition. And I still, you know, when I got out, I was 24 years old. I had been living on my own for seven years, taking care of myself on my own for seven years. So like going back home to mom's house wasn't an option, right? Like I'm like, I'm not moving back in with mom. And so when I got out of the military as a military brat who'd lived all over the country because of my, my mom and my stepfather, I was like, well, where am I going to go now? Right. And my mom was stationed in New Jersey. And so uh, she was like, come here. So I moved to New Jersey and I became, I got a job as a paramedic in Atlantic City, which was, you know, a hundred times crazier things than you see in the military. At, you know, you're at like casinos and all the crazy stuff, touristy area. And so I was working as a paramedic in the city and I was going to college at the same time trying to finish my degree. And uh, once again, eventually I got to the point where I was like, I cannot do both of these things or I'm never going to graduate. And so I ended up taking out a personal loan to pay my living expenses for a year so that I could finish my degree quicker. And I took 18 credits a semester, including in the summer, I did two years of school in one year because I was like, this is never going to end. <laughs> and um, so my GI Bill paid for my school, but I did take a loan out to just pay all of my living expenses for a year so that I did not have to work and just knock, knocked it out. Yeah, and that's one of the good things about the new GI Bill, the post 9-11 GI Bill, is that you get, along with your tuition, you also get a stipend for housing. And so it makes it, and they give you a stipend for books. Wow, yeah, I had to pay for all my own books. <laughs> wow, check this out. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I mean, it's a really good benefit. Like the GI Bill was a really great program, and then they made it better by adding in all this extra stuff that you can yeah, you get a small, you get a housing allowance based on where you live. And that really helps cover the cost. So you can either work part time or not at all. But yeah, you just gave an excellent example of like why the GI Bill was great, but it also didn't work because you were like using it, but then you didn't have enough time to go to school and work a full time job. So you said that when you got out, you wanted to be a doctor, but that's not what you got your degree in. So what happened along the way? So my major at that time was biology because I wanted to be a doctor and I was two semesters away from finishing my degree in biology and I was failing calculus and failing physics. And I was just like 
I was just having a meltdown. Like there, I can't do this. Like my brain doesn't work this way. I took college algebra three times before I finally passed with a C. Like, and I was, you know, and my friends were like, how are you going to be a doctor if you can't even do math? Like, <laughs> and so I really was struggling with that because I had this dream of being a doctor, but my brain, I was also going against the way my brain actually works. And one of my good friends was like, you need to go see like a college counselor and see if there's something else you would be good at. And so I did that. And they were like, oh, you'd be great at based on the testing. They said, oh, you'd be great at public relations. And I was like, don't know what that is. I've never heard of it in my life. And so then they, you know, talked to me about what public relations was. And so two semesters before graduating, this is actually why I ended up taking loan. Two semesters before graduating, I changed my major from biology to public relations. And so all those science and math classes that I had taken, I didn't even need for my public relations degree. They counted now as electives. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to spend two more years in college to do all my new electives. And so that was a big reason also why I took the loan and just went to, you know, knock those two years out in one year. Cause I was like, I'm not you can't be two semesters away from graduation and be like, yeah, I want to spend two more years here. And so that was how it came to be that I, and then what was funny is once I changed my major to public relations and started taking those classes, I loved them so much. And they just came so naturally to me. I'm, I, I was a good writer and, you know, all the things that public relations, part of public relations. And it was a completely different experience for me where I was trying to force myself to get this degree in biology and it was grueling work versus getting my degree in public relations where every class I took, I loved it more and more. That makes me think of like the ASVAB spits out a score and that like correlates to jobs. And a lot of times, at least when I was enlisting, the recruiter was like, well, you got this score. So these are the jobs available. And he never asked me like what I wanted to do. And so like talking to a career counselor and like figuring out like, because you could have done public affairs in the military. And like, that would have been a really good fit for your personality. Not that it didn't work out the way it was supposed to. But I think taking that extra step of like doing a test to figure out what your interests are, especially as a young person who doesn't really know what's out there, because I was good at math in college. And they're like, well, you should be an accountant. And I was like, I don't want to be an accountant. And it took a long time for me to find engineering, which was a better fit for me. But I think that it's really important that you do that research and not just look at, oh, I got a 95 on my ASVAB so I can do this job or that job, like figure out what's the right path for you. Yeah, I agree. And whatever made me score high for the paramedic had nothing to do with math or science. I can tell you that right now. So it's like something within there made that come up, but it I think what I failed to miss, you know, once I got in that field, I was like, I love this, right? So I want to keep going up and I want to become a doctor. And I didn't, for whatever reason, those two (laughs) things were not transferable in, in my brain anyways, going from a paramedic to becoming a doctor. Yeah, that's really interesting. So let's talk a little bit. I mean, we'll fast forward a bit to about what you're doing today, unless there's something that happened between that time that you wanted to talk about. So when I left the military, like I said, so I I ended up getting my degree in public relations. I landed a job at a PR advertising agency in Philadelphia. We lived in South Jersey, which is like right over the bridge from Philadelphia. I worked there for some time and I got laid off when I got pregnant. And again, you have to remember this was a long time ago and people could kind of get away with that kind of stuff back in the day. And I was like, nobody's going to hire a pregnant woman who's about to go out on maternity leave. I had no idea what I was going to do. And in New Jersey, you, in order to keep collecting unemployment, you have to go to like classes and things like that. So at one of the classes, they said, if you have an idea to start a business, Submit it to the state. And if we like the idea and we select you, we'll, we'll pay for you to go through a training on how to start a business. 
And I had never in my life thought about starting my own business. Some people say like, I was a born entrepreneur. Like it was never even something that entered my mind. Didn't know anything about it. I didn't have any family members that own businesses. I was never exposed to that. But I started to think about it. And I was in the shower, which I get all my good ideas in the shower for some reason. And I started to think about, uh, at first I was like, I'm going to start a mom newsletter. Like I'll, cause I was a writer as you know, in PR, we do a lot of writing. I was like, let's start a mom newsletter. And then I was like, no, I'll start a mom's group. And then that evolved into, I was like, I'm going to start a mom's magazine. <laughs> and I had never, again, I don't know anything about starting a magazine, but I shared the idea with my mom at lunch. And she said, you could call it South Jersey mom. And I was like, that's brilliant. So I spent my pregnancy researching. There's actually books you can buy on called How to Start a Magazine. And I did a whole bunch of research. And part of a public uh, relations degree is also graphic design. And so I had graphic design experience. I had writing experience. All of my friends I graduated college with were writers. Some of them went into journalism. And so I started putting together this like crew of people that could help. So my first business that I started was called South Jersey Mom. It's a print magazine that's still in print today. I don't own it anymore because I sold it. That was kind of my entrance into owning my own business. I love that story. And I love that how it was like not an idea. And then they said, have you thought about starting a business? And you're like, oh, maybe. And I love the name of the magazine. That's it. That's so catchy. Yeah, I thought it was super cute. I'm sure you learned a lot about yourself and like about it seems like you love to learn. So is that like a driving factor that led you to continue in the entrepreneurship route? Yeah, I think, um, and again, surprisingly that I have a love to learn because I never thought I'd go to college. I hated high school, you know, all of those things. I do love to learn, but I also, what I've realized about myself, and I think it took me probably almost 40 years to figure this out, is that I'm a natural problem solver. And so part of why I always want to learn is because I'm trying to solve a problem, right? And so I'll see a problem and then go, how can I fix that, right? Um, And so it was like, I lost my job. How do I fix this? And so just always looking for, I think that that is what is the underlying um, source. And even in the work that I do today, it's just, I'm a problem solver. And that magazine was the vehicle. It was the first business that I owned. I learned so much about business, managing people, hiring people. You know, we started with, I think, 10,000 copies. And by the time I sold it, we had we were printing 30,000 copies a month. And it was distributed in seven counties of South Jersey. And so it was really incredible. I learned a lot. You know, <laughs> I didn't know. I almost say like I was too... I, you know, it was good that I was, I didn't know anything because I was too stupid to know how hard it would be <laughs> because I just didn't know any better. So I was like, Hey, I'll go do this, you know? Um, so it was a great experience. But even though it was hard, you must've liked it because you've started other businesses and what is the business that you're in today? Yeah. So I sold the magazine after owning it for about four years because it was like 16 hours a day, seven days a week work. And I had at the time I started the magazine when my son was nine months old. And then two years later had another baby. And so I had, you know, two children, infant toddlers trying to run a magazine. It was very, very difficult and it was very hard on my family. And so I made a very difficult choice to sell it in order to be able to be there for my family in a much higher capacity. I homeschooled my kids for two years during that break. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, this is not what I'm called to do. This is not my gifting. Although I love to learn, <laughs> I'm not enjoying teaching, not at least not toddlers. And it was kindergarten, first grade. So I um, started to think about what's next. And 
I decided, well, what do I know how to do? I have a degree in public relations. I'm going to start my own agency and I'll do public relations for people. And I really started that business and the, the business I have now eight, eight and a half years ago. What it started as a public relations agency that did all things marketing and PR basically. But within my first year of owning the business, I discovered Facebook ads and that started to completely transform my business. And so today I don't do PR at all. I only do Facebook and Instagram ads. That's really interesting. And I'm in my second year of homeschooling. We started homeschooling because of COVID and I'm kind of in the point where I'm like, this is fun, but also I don't really want to do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I can really relate to that. Like there's so many good things about it, but then it's, it's also, it's really draining and really challenging. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there were definitely things I loved about it and that my kids loved about it, but it was not something that I knew I could do long term. Yeah. So I have really loved getting to hear about your career in the Air Force and then what happened after you left the military. I guess this is not a normal question. And then I'll ask my final question. But do you have any like resources that you would recommend to someone who's thinking about starting their their own business? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things I could share with you. Number one, I would really encourage people who are thinking about starting their own business to take some time to discover what are their strengths? What are they really good at naturally? What would they love to do that even if they didn't get paid for it, they would still do it and look for opportunities in like heading in that direction. I would say that's the first thing. And then the other thing is that especially with the internet today, it is so easy for people to start an online business. It takes next to nothing to start a business online in terms of, you know, you don't have to have huge venture capitalists and, you know, things like that. And the beauty of it also is that you're working from home, right? And so there's tons of tons of uh, companies that will teach you how to start an online business and stuff like that. I'd say a, a good place to start is just learning about online business in general. And I'm trying to think of any specific like Digital Marketer is a company. Social Media Examiner is a company where if you just kind of start following those things, um, you'll start to like be introduced to that world. But you can take almost any skill that someone has and find a way that it translates into an online business. And like I said, it's very low overhead, highly, highly profitable. And I've met very few people where what they had a skill already in doing wasn't translatable to an online business in some way, shape or form. Yeah, and there's a great program for women veterans called VWISE, where it's a free program and they have, they stopped because of COVID and they're just starting up again this January where you take a course and then you spend a weekend wherever the conference is and you learn about starting a business and they say, take your idea and then we'll help you make a business. And so if you're a woman veteran, you're listening, that's a great program to look into too. So my last question is, what advice would you give to a young woman who's considering joining the military? Before I give a piece of advice, one thing that I want to say that I gained from the military that still is part of who I am today. You know, like I said, I got out of the military when I was 24, so almost 20 years ago-ish around there. And um, the thing that is still a huge part of who I am today is the work ethic, the attention to detail, the grit and perseverance of being able to do hard things and not giving up. And even though I had a hard time in the military when I was younger because I didn't want to follow rules, the military is really good <laughs> at kind of stripping that out of you and then building you back up. And those are such amazing character traits for people, anybody, man or woman, to have in this life that I, I think that if you look at the military 
as number one, obviously, we're serving our country, right? It's a very selfless thing to do just naturally. But the other thing is to, there's a lot of things that you're going to learn, develop, grow from that have nothing to do with your job, right? Um, And so I think that's a huge benefit. And then I would encourage them to, what we've touched on during this call is like, not just taking an ASVAB and saying them saying, here's your number, here's what you'd be good at, is putting a little bit of thought and effort into long-term, right? Like if I didn't stay in the military forever, or if I did, what would I want to do after that? Because the military can be a really amazing tool to use to help get you into that line of work and get an education and experience in that way. And so I think that between the character traits that the military builds and the opportunity to line you up for a really incredible future. I I think it's a a very smart move. My husband feels a little differently because he doesn't come from military family, but I'm like, I would not be upset if either one of my children wanted to join the military. I think it's a very honorable, selfless thing to do. But I would really encourage people to put more thought and effort into what it is that they want to do and really like think about that and pursue that very purposely. That's such great advice. I I really agree with that, that there needs to be And it's hard because you're so young that you don't really know that that's important to ask. So I love that that's the advice that you shared. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that I even had a choice. He was like, you could be a spy or a paramedic. I didn't say like, oh, is there anything else? Like, I was like, okay, (laughs) I got to pick one of those. (laughs) And that was the same thing. He was like, these are the jobs you're qualified for. And I was like, okay, which one should I pick? Yep. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed getting to hear your story. And I'm just so glad we got to do this interview. Yeah. Thank you, Amanda. This week's episode. If this is your first time listening to Women of the Military podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes on the podcast. There are so many episodes and stories of women who've served in the military who can inspire you at whatever stage of the journey you're in, joining, serving, leaving the military, or just learning about the women who have served in the military. If you want to support Women of the Military podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash women of the military. And if you enjoyed Women of the Military podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app to help the podcast grow and reach more women who are considering military service.